By one measurement, rice is more complicated than humans. Geneticist Dr Francis Collins explains. And Dr Collins discovered another fact. Before we can learn a fact, we need to unlearn a falsehood. Can a scientist believe in God? Today's guest does, and he provides a logical explanation why he does. Let's step into the laboratory and hear his reasons on a program we call Truth in the Test Tube. Twenty years ago, geneticists predicted that the human genetic structure would contain about 100,000 genes. Many genetics textbooks still carry that mistaken 20-year-old estimate. As director of the Human Genome Project, Dr. Francis Collins said that when research revealed that humans really have only about 22,000 genes, some people felt offended. He compared that to 25,000 genes for mustard weed and 55,000 for rice. And the audience laughed when he said, so you need to have more respect for dinner tonight. Before we progress further, we need to mention that President Obama has promoted Dr. Collins to Director of the National Institutes of Health. Dr. Collins emphasises that the statements he makes on this programme are his own personal remarks, not official statements in his role as an employee of the Government of the United States of America. We have acquired a recording of a lecture he gave on a university campus He shared this information about his personal background and what factors changed his understanding of God. I'm a physician, I'm a scientist, and I'm a Christian. I did not grow up in a Christian tradition. In fact, as a graduate student, I was an obnoxious atheist with whom you would not have enjoyed going to lunch because I saw it as part of my role to try to discourage anybody from silly ideas about the supernatural, believing that anything that really mattered could be described by the tools of science and reduced to mathematics. But my career took a turn. I decided to go to medical school. And there in medical school, I encountered people who were facing great challenges in their lives. And as I listened to some of them talk about how their faith gave them great strength, I found this very puzzling. I assume this is a psychological crutch, but it was certainly a powerful one. And I had to confront the reality of the fact that I'd never really looked at the evidence for and against the existence of God. It had been very convenient for God not to exist. I had adopted a form of what Lewis calls willful blindness because it made it easier to do what I wanted to. But as a scientist, to arrive at a conclusion without having considered the evidence, that seemed like the worst possible thing for me to do. And so I set about to try to strengthen my atheistic position by looking at some of the arguments for and against the existence of God. I figured that would be an easy task. But even with his two doctor's degrees, Dr. Collins was in for a surprise. He continues... Well, as I puzzled over descriptions of the various world's religions, ultimately I walked down the street to visit with a minister and asked him all sorts of uh, off-the-wall and probably blasphemous questions about what this all meant. And he patiently listened to me, suggested that it might be good if I actually picked up the book of John and see what God said. And he also pointed me to a little book on his shelf 
called Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. I went home and I began to read, and all of my arguments against the plausibility of faith were immediately revealed as being the arguments of a schoolboy. Lewis seemed to be able to read my mind. He had followed the same path as an atheist who set about to disprove faith and ultimately converted himself by accident. He, he always seemed to be one step ahead of me, just as I was about to raise an, an objection on page 39, while on page 40 there was the answer. So the hound of heaven began chasing after me, and chased for a good two years as I gradually began to recognize that it was more plausible to believe in God than not to believe in God, but also realized that making that ultimate decision is not something that you do entirely with your intellect. That is something you have to do with your heart. And on a uh, beautiful afternoon in the Northwest, as I hiked through the Cascades, it became irresistible for me uh, to go another moment without giving my life to Jesus Christ. Would that decision to follow Jesus Christ affect his career? Dr. Collins answers. I was 27. I was already uh, on a pathway towards the study of genetics. And as I began to share my experience with some of my colleagues, they looked a little horrified and said, do you realize that you've just dedicated your life to something that's probably going to be totally incompatible with your scientific interests? I didn't think that ought to be true. And I'm here today to tell you this morning that is not true. That the study of genetics is a glorious way of looking into God's creation. And the ability to be a scientist who is able to uncover bits and pieces of the amazing intricacies of the human body is also an opportunity to worship Almighty God. So I see no conflict whatsoever in being a rigorous scientist who has to see the data before accepting any conclusion about nature and being a person who sees Almighty God as the author of the whole thing and as the really only connection that's going to help me with the big questions of life, like why are we all here anyway? What's this all about? And what happens after we die? Let me make sure I understand what we just heard. Dr. Francis Collins, one of the world's most respected geneticists, was once an atheist. Yes, during his university years, he enjoyed ridiculing people who believed God existed. And the first thing that made him doubt his atheism was the way he saw Christians respond to the news that they were seriously ill and would probably not recover. Yes, many patients who were not followers of Christ would panic and become depressed when they realised they would die soon. Christian patients would be confident that their lives would continue after death and they would live in heaven where sickness and death do not exist. The Apostle Paul wrote that for him and other followers of Jesus Christ, to die is gain. A second thought that eroded his atheism was the realisation that he was not being scientific when he rejected the idea of God without examining the evidence. So he went to talk with a pastor. Yes, the pastor challenged him to examine the evidence about the life of Jesus Christ by reading the Bible, specifically the Gospel of John. Next... He read a book that an atheistic professor wrote after he became a Christian, Mere Christianity, by C.S. Lewis. That's the book that seemed to read his mind. He made that amazing statement that just as he was about to raise an objection on one page, on the next page there was the answer. Dr. Collins also said, God gave us a spirit that longs for him. 
He also gave us a mind that seeks to understand nature, and he gave us the knowledge of right and wrong. And his closing summary statement was so totally appropriate. In fact, God is really the only connection that's going to help me with the big questions of life, like why are we all here anyway? What's this all about? What happens after we die? Only the Bible provides satisfying answers to those vitally important questions. We call our program Truth in the Test Tube, discussing some of the ways that science harmonizes with the Bible. Our staff is available to answer any questions that came to your mind as you listened. To reach us from most countries, email us at truthtest at truthinthetesttube.org. Again, that's truthtest at truthinthetesttube.org. If you live in India, we suggest testtube at radio882.com. That's testtube at radio882.com. Wherever you live in God's world, join us again next time for another fascinating discussion here on Truth in the Test Tube.